Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! 
who was our last game that we just played? Uh, the Raptors on Sunday. Yeah. So we yeah. play the Raptors on Sunday, and then we're not playing the Sixers until Wednesday. So everyone's like, "What? Like, why do we have so many days off between yeah. games?" But um, teams will I don't get know. teams will get like maybe one or two of these three day breaks, and you know players love them if they're staying in their home market. You know, but if they're on the road and it kind of messes up there you have to travel and then stay in hotels for a couple of those nights you know but, yeah have you asked players about it before is that what they usually tell you you know j just on the clipper side they enjoy the time off because more importantly because they get screwed in the uh in the scheduling because they are like the third tenant or fourth tenant in staples center so more more likely than not they only have one of these long breaks so okay. they kind of they value them whenever they can get them Got you. Got you. So Shane, what has been, I think, or I want to ask rather, what's been the biggest surprise to you so far for the NBA season? The biggest surprise so far. Mm, it's definitely, I'm not sure if this might be a, this might be a common thing that's, that's been said on the show, but uh, it's how down offense is right now. It's not, you know, and, and people can point, they always want to point to just the fouls or just the emphasis on, you know, not blowing every whistle <laughs> that, that benefits, uh, you know, grifters as they like to call them. But, but I will say, I think that we are, we are seeing an adjustment to that and just in general, unlucky shooting, uh, weird slumps for players, one that we'll get into soon, um, that might be snapping out of his, but you know, just in general, I mean, wide open shots aren't being made uh, for the most part. Um, we're seeing, I think, an overcorrection in terms of, uh, you know, the, the fans being allowed back in uh, full capacity around the league. And, and that's kind of throwing people off when and you you wouldn't think that it would because they've played They're in front of crowds their, their entire lives. You know, they've played in front of crowds. But uh, I think last year w we saw offense go to an all time high because there was I, I, I like to believe it's because that we had empty gyms and it's just easier to kind of, you know, not get distracted or not get as nervous. I feel like, especially for role players. Um, so we're seeing that come back down to earth, but it's even worse than, I mean, you know, now we're seeing teams scoring at, you know, levels that you would see in 2011, 2012, <laughs> you know, it's 20, it's almost 2022. So um, I think offense being down, but other than that, um, if you want to like, you know, point to some, you know, standout performances or, you know, guys that are performing way better than I thought, I'm really interested in, in seeing what the Grizzlies do with John Morant, you know, Jaw's been a revelation this year just because he's taken yeah. the leap. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot you could go into with, uh, with players that have stood out, but offense being down and some of these young guys in their third, you know, fourth year making the jump that that's what I'm interested in. Are you surprised to see a player like Julius Randle who looks like maybe he's regressing back to, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say that maybe it's just like a few struggles, but he's not, he's not at least matching really what he was in his MIP year, yeah. um, which I think most of us thought he took the jump last year. So do you think this is a mm -hmm. regression or do you think a player no. like him is going to like it back to where he was last year? Yeah, so I have a I have a hard time when people say like, oh, you know, Randall's gotten worse or, you know, it, it's a regression. I, I simply think you hit a point 
where you you go up so high, which he did last year, which all NBA, right? 13, I believe, or in right. the running for it. I think I think he made it. I'm not mistaken. I, remember, I think he but made it 13. Matter. He yeah. did well. And he got Yeah, he did well. He did great. Did great. It was one of the best forwards in the NBA last year. You, you could definitely say that. Um expecting that to stay the same or get even better was, you know, you, you couldn't you couldn't ask of that. I think that it's a little bit, you know, not not so much regression, but the league caught up. The league is learning how to defend him better, you know. Okay. Um, also, I think he benefited not a lot from the whistles, but he did he did get to the foul line a lot more as he elevated into this, you know, superstar version of himself. So that has kind of taken a toll as well. So I mean, I, when I looked at the numbers, was it last week? He was one of the worst mid-range shooters. Um, on moderate to high volume in the league so far so maybe you know maybe it's just shot selection that's that's not great right now and the knicks have had their struggles offensively as we know so i mean uh, i i tend to believe that someone that has reached that peak that randall did last year you know he's in the prime of his career uh hasn't had a major injury since his rookie year um i i just believe that he'll be back on track so i i never i know people uh in New York would would hate me for saying this, but like I never believed that the Knicks were going to repeat the same level of play they did last year. I thought they were going to take a little bit of step back. So it, it's it's kind of what I expected. I, I don't I don't see this as like a fifty win team. I don't see him as a superstar, but you know, right right below that. Do you think there'll be a playoff team again this year, or at least a play in? Yeah, I do. I do. There's too much talent. There's too much talent and good coaching on that. You know, continuity also. Uh, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, as you know, I think we talked about that with the Dubs before. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I believe when you retain the same core, plus just add, you know, talent on the margins and stuff. I mean, I, I do think that, that that's going to matter. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you had to attribute a percentage in terms of how much are the rule changes impacting players, how much is the Wilson ball impacting them Yeah. <laughs> um, versus uh, just like maybe some people in a, in a dry spell or, you yeah. know, there, there's, there's, and, and you noted this earlier, cause we do know that when rule changes, there's an overcorrection. So it'll mm. balance out some, but I, I, I do tend to think that the way games are being called right now are probably closer to what you're going to see in the postseason than not. So mm. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing that people are getting used to playing like this now because it actually yeah. always annoyed me that the whistle was a certain way in the regular season and then come the postseason it changed. Yeah. For my team, it wasn't that big of a deal because Steph never got the whistle like that anyway. Yeah. But I think for certain players, you would see them get like frustrated. And if they were like, like my team, I would understand that because you're like, he always gets this whistle. Why isn't he getting this whistle? And it's like, oh, well, rest swallow their whistle in the postseason. Why? Why can't we just be consistent all season? So I, I do like that. But I mean, I do think, again, there is an overcorrection. So I think it'll come down some. So yeah. if you had to assign a percentage to the new rules versus um, the Wilson ball, uh, affecting and then you said i think what else did you say you said like the fans, the fans back, yeah i mean right so those under those those things that are now reinserted back into the games like mm -hmm. what, where would you assign the percentages in terms of what's impacting players 
I think the fouls, you, you you know, the level, and we shouldn't even say the fouls, like just the level of aggression that's allowed now on drives. Um, that's that's uh, deterring a lot of players from trying to get to the rim, you know, because you have uh, Donovan Mitchell. He's one that's that's come out and said, you know, I think Dame has also said it, but but Donovan was, was I, I like the way he framed it. He said, it's very inconsistent. We're not going into games knowing what, what type of physicality is allowed on drives. I mean, on one possession, we can get hammered right in the face from the back of the head or nudged off our path, and it's, call, and it's called. On another possession, the refs just look at you and put their hands in the air. Like, do better. You know, that's kind of what the refs are, like, saying. But um, so I, I would like more consistency right now. Uh, that's that's one thing. I mean, I'm not. Do you, you know, agree I, that I, it's inconsistent with it? Like, I, I do. I agree with I agree with Mitchell and, and Dame to a certain extent. Now, when they say, you know, um, it's getting out of hand in terms of you know the the ticky tack stuff that that I agree shouldn't be called. You know, a lot of the hardened stuff where he's pulling guys' arms or you know, uh, trying to cheat the system. I, I I do I do agree that that stuff needs to be ruled out, but I. I've watched a lot of basketball this year, especially Clippers. Paul George is getting knocked on the head every single time he drives. Um, and I, I believe what's irritated me the most about it, um, I guess to answer your question, I would say probably about 20 to 30% of this offensive dip has probably been because of the free throw rate. Maybe 30 to 40% of it's because of the lower free throw rate. I think it's not quite the main reason, but it's it's one of the reasons. Um, what's annoyed me is that, do you remember two years ago, uh, maybe three years ago, 2018, 19, whenever, I guess the Warriors last year with Kevin, um, they emphasized the, the refs going into the season said that they were going to emphasize freedom of movement. So you can, you cannot grab a player, touch a right. player, um, and, and prohibit their movement off the ball. Right. I mean, now is that, is that just like gone like is that no longer a thing because i mean now we are seeing guys grab pull uh push <laughs> shove i mean we're seeing guys get a lot more physical and like it's it. not it's not being called which i'm fine you said you like it i'm fine if that's going to be the way it is but i mean two years ago man like it was it was it was the the opposite it was the point of emphasis it was being being called every time you know so I guess just a little bit more clarity on what's going to be allowed now. I guess it's my own bias. Cause like I said, I don't really see Steph as a player that used to get a lot of those calls. And so I feel like he's always known how to play, play within that. And I remember yeah. it being kind of like a running theme with the Clippers. Like is Paul George going to get a free throw shot tonight. Right. <laughs> but like at the same time, he's still like killing on the court. Right. So I yeah. feel like, the way that I look at it, it's like the men are separating themselves from the boys and like the best players, it's really not impacting them. And the other ones will just have to figure out how to not let yeah. it impact them. So, um, you know, my response kind of to Donovan Mitchell and Dame and anyone else who's complained has just been like a very hard eye roll. But, yeah. you know, uh, um, to your point, I'm enjoying it and I enjoy watching the product more as a result. Yeah, to, to your point, I think the coaches, although the coaches are mad about the overcorrection and, and like it being completely opposite of two years ago, they are on board with you in terms of like adjust to it because Quinn Snyder, like 10 minutes after Donovan said that basically told the media that night, we're just telling our guards get stronger. 
like get better you know get better at adjusting to it throughout the game don't get frustrated so you know it's not a thing where uh coaches are, are ripping the refs and getting fined for it they understand it's not going to change based off of them cussing out the refs i mean it it's going to be the same all year um hopefully it just gets a little bit more consistent but yeah yeah and i mean i are probably too they might like it for the defensive end right it gives them mm -hmm. the ability to be a little bit more aggressive on defense so you know for also a team like the Warriors I'm sure this makes Draymond <laughs> Green very happy he said it and so you know I don't mind it so that's just my you know, we're seeing a lot I, I love it for the defensive end at the rim because we're seeing a lot more you know of these um uh highlight reel you know contests at the rim I know did, did you see the Heat Clippers game a couple weeks ago where Paul George went vertical and contested bam at the rim in the clutch you know he didn't block it, but it was a great contest and he got the stop. You know, all, a lot of that stuff could be called, could be whistled as foul. So it's good that we're seeing these, you know, highlight plays now that, that aren't being, uh, you know, ruined by a whistle. Right, right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, what's the other thing it looks like they're going to be focusing on soon? Like um, the transition, like the foul and transition, they're trying to either. That better, yeah, that better be eliminated uh, <laughs> soon. <laughs> I, but it, I, I would give that a, another year or two to before they outlaw it. Because it, it. It, it, it's a hard, it's it's kind of a hard thing to to determine what a penalty is. Like, if let's say Draymond does it, you know, what, what's the penalty going to be? I know they've discussed, you know, technical free throws, and, you, know, you know, and then how do you, how do you determine what is that foul? What if you wait till the guys pass off court and then do it, you know? So it's kind of, it's kind of weird on the technicality of how you can kind of uh, legislate that, but I would like to see that gone. Okay. So um, my warriors are rolling. They have seemed to uh, surprise a lot of people this season. They're off to a hot 15 and two start. Um, are you surprised by that start by them? I mean, I know the answer, but I want to know like if you are, even though I know the answer and why, like what, what was it that made you uncertain? This would have been like the kind of team you're seeing so far to this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not even surprised. I'm shocked. I'm shocked because, uh, so I think this is, this is actually like the point of contention that, that probably Warriors fans would have with me or, or that, you know, you and I have discussed off the air, but, it's never been about me doubting what Steph, Draymond, Iguodala, and Steve Kerr, like that that core that's been there for, for years, including Kevon Looney, um, who you do not like. Um, so no, it's no, never been no, about- No, no, let's, let's correct the record. <laughs> I love Looney. I think he's a fundamentally sound player and I understand his importance to our team. Yeah. I also find him to be slow as molasses, as I often say. <laughs> And I can't deal with all the pump fakes under the rim. I just can't That's true. take them, you know, and I, I would prefer in certain mm. matchups, you know, with certain teams, maybe if we, when we get Wiseman back, assuming he can handle certain things that we just have a player that's a little bit more athletic. That's all. But I, yeah. I love Sunni, Looney. I love all the screen setting he does really super high IQ player for us. Yeah, see, I've never, I've never doubted that core in terms of what they can do with their peak or what they can do when they're fully intact and healthy. Um, you know, last year they won at a really good rate, really solid rate with Steph on the floor. You know, and and, and the games that he missed, they <laughs> they lost a lot. So I mean, that's that was why they found themselves in that position in the play-in. But um, I just didn't 
kind of see, or I didn't kind of anticipate the impact that that Wiggins, Jordan Poole. I mean, I, I've always been like a, a Bielinsa fan in terms of what he can contribute, but like I I didn't see like the the minutes when Steph's on the bench being passable to a to a degree that they could you know just blitz teams. It seems like I mean you know they're still going to be miles miles better with Steph on the floor, but it seems like things are are running uh, efficiently when he when he's not. I mean, think you know they, they can put together a good offensive scheme and system to to make things work when he's not out there. It, they're not heavily reliant on that. So um, I think and do you, you think know that's a lot of it. it is? Do you think, I, I, I think, think that's that the biggest I, thing? To me, it's how much better things look when Steph is not having a great game. That that's okay. that's the best way to put it. I mean, if he's was that opening night that he shot poorly in Staples Center, but did everything else well, um, and and the team really picked him up, and and the team put together a good run to to come away with that win. We saw it the other night was against Toronto in that box and one. I, I to to put it in simplest terms, I didn't see Jordan Poole being able to do what he's doing. Um, I know he shot poorly from three before you know last what couple games, but um, I, I I just didn't see him as a, as a guy that can get thirty when Steph is having a bad night. So it, you know, it's it's it, it's kind of me not believing in the rest of the cast um, coming in. So they have definitely proved me wrong. Um, I still probably wouldn't say they're my favorites in the West, but it's still they're, the Utah they're, Jazz. It'd probably be Utah or Phoenix, but I mean that that's that's just <laughs> that's just me. I mean, I I, I think that I'm I'm what is that bit more than of reservation fair here. about. What is that bit of reservation about? To even put them, even if you don't have them as the favorites, to put them right on par with those two teams. What's your what's your reservation and doubt about? My reservation of why they might not beat those teams. Yeah. I just happen to think that I, I just happen to like what what Utah. It's not it's not about Golden State. It's more about Phoenix and Utah being really really good in the half court that I like. Um, you know, of course, like I'm not saying it's going to be like a. If, if they match in a series, it would be a blowout either way, or, you know, they definitely could not beat this team. Yeah, I mean, I think it could go either way. But I just like what, you know, Phoenix having the same core from last year, pretty much identical core from last year with a couple shooters added. Um, the, the way they've been rolling in the half court, the way Chris has them going, uh, clicking on all cylinders, whether it's, you know, um, with his pick and roll attack, DeAndre Ayton looks, even though he's, that he didn't get paid yet looks looks even better as a finisher now um so i, I kind of just like what those teams have going on in the half court utah's had some hiccups uh a lot of that's because they cannot shoot the ball right now i mean they just had a good shooting night the other night but they're they're one team that's that's due for some positive regression <laughs> or progression to the mean with shooting so i think right. we'll see you know when when those teams i think when phoenix utah both play golden state uh i think Phoenix plays Golden State on Christmas, next right? Week. We actually next play them week, twice and next week. So we play oh, them that's, three that's awesome. times. Christmas yeah. is the third time. I have to check because mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we play them a fourth time this season. Yeah. But yeah, by Christmas Day, that'll be the third time we play them. Yeah. So you know, I I I really do love how the Warriors look when they go small as well. So I really want to see the small ball versus DeAndre Ayton. See the kind of the the positives and negatives of that. See see if, how Draymond can hold up, or you know, um, 
uh, that that's another thing like when Wiseman's back I mean I want to see how that matchup looks as well so you know I, the, we're not going to have full answers to probably who's the championship favorite in the West or the finals favorite in the West until we get uh, these teams at full strength yeah everyone keeps talking about Aiton and I think Aiton's great and I think he should get paid that's just my opinion but um I'm not overly concerned about him. I mean, he'll he'll do what he does. I'm not saying like we're going to shut him down, but I mean, I, I've watched Dre on Anthony Davis kind of hold oh, his yeah. own. So I'm not like, I don't think that DeAndre Ayton particularly brings anything to the table that a player like, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't. Um, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just not overly concerned there, you know, with, with someone like Joker, let's say, and I'm not concerned about them either, but oh, like if poor, it was a center. Poor Denver. I know, it really sucks. Um, it, it sucks for them and it also obviously sucks for, um, um, uh, what's his name, the player. I just- Oh, Michael part. Porter Jr. Yeah. Michael Porter, I was gonna say Michael Carter, but I'm like, no, he's not Michael <laughs> Carter. Um, what is his last name? <laughs> Michael Porter, yeah, I mean, very sad for him. I hope that it's not a long-term thing, but nerve issues are never great. So, um, yeah. I mean, they're still going to still get Jamal Murray back though. Right. So, yeah, they just, but the problem is like, they, they don't have the horses to, to yeah. defend. I don't think, I mean, you know, Porter wasn't even a, a good defender as, no, as it was, wasn't. but, but he, he, but he had size. I, I don't think they have size if right. it, it pretty much requires Jokic to play the entire game. <laughs> You could probably see them being a team that may try to make some moves like um, before the trade deadline, right? To try yeah. to get a little help if, they, if they're if they losing him for the yeah. season. Um, but yeah, like if it was a center like Jokic who could do like, you know, some passing and hurt us in mm. other ways, but that's not like what DeAndre Ayton's doing for that team. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not that concerned about that matchup with him like a lot of people seem yeah. to be, but- Phoenix. Phoenix uh, is more like DeAndre Ayton isn't going to abuse you as like the, uh, you know, he, he does love to post up and he's really good at it. Cause I mean, he's, he's a massive human. So of course, right. um, but he's not going to beat you as like the passing hub, like Jokic will Jokic will right. uh, be in the, be at the elbow and, and have one pass away everywhere on the floor, which really right. uh, demoralizes teams where Phoenix is a well-oiled, a well-oiled machine and they're thriving right now. They'll set, double high screens for Chris he'll come off and if they if they trap him or if they send two to him or or he can't turn the corner because he's not as fast anymore it's a short road to DeAndre Ayton and you have to I mean you have to rotate over that because he's just he and if if Draymond's in that position uh DeAndre is a lot taller than Draymond right and he's he's able he's a good floater a good finish ability you have to rotate over and that's going to leave a corner shooter open. That's where Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson just get clicking. And right. that's hard to stop. It's, it's really hard to defend. So I, th- I think they have the best offense in the NBA. Um, not numbers-wise right now. That's still Utah somehow. Uh, but I think Phoenix probably has, like, the best system right now. Um, it's just going to, in a series between Steph and the Warriors and, uh, and, and Phoenix, it would come down to how much does Steph just, just negate all of that. And Clay, because he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, it's wild. It, it, that, it is that's wild why I, to think. I don't. It, it, I don't understand. Like right now, how people are. I guess if you're hedging because you don't know what Clay is gonna look like, 
But I guess the way that I feel about that is Clay, just by being on the court, yeah, is going to is just going to require respect, right? He's no one's going to be like he's been gone for two years. Let's see what he has. Yeah, he's going to be defended and, like he's Clay, and so yeah, I just feel like him being on the on the on the court, his shooting threat. And then if, if you don't believe it, I dare you leave Clay open. You know, he, he's going <laughs> to still shoot the basketball. So if I have to bank on offense coming from Steph and Clay, I'm going to always bet on them over yeah. any team. You know, it's just that's the way that I feel about that. And it might be, it might honestly be one of those things that where Clay comes back, you know, in December and we see five games. And then that's all, that's enough for all of us to say, yeah, championship favorite. That could be right. what happens, but you know, we'll see. You got to see it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, Steve Kerr, I mean, you, you, you followed the Warriors before and looked at them. He's not a coach that really likes to double and send traps. So that's why, mm. I mean, I don't it's know how. It's mainly other... switch. It's yes, switch. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not really concerned about how other teams defend Phoenix, like unless even when like like we had that game against the Wolves where Anthony Edwards like almost went for 50 and went crazy on us, it took him almost to the very end of the game before he would even send two bodies at Ant Edwards. I mean, it's just <laughs> not what he does. Same thing like when we played the Rockets, yeah. you know, it was switching yeah. and he he doesn't really well, do that. So it's a good thing you put. I'm thank you for pointing that out because I mean I and that's where I think the whole Phoenix and Golden State. A potential matchup could be awesome in the playoffs because who was a who was a common denominator on that on that Rockets team? Chris, when it comes to switching, I mean, if you switch a big on him, you're cooked. I mean, you, you, most of the time you're cooked. Devin Booker is getting really good at that too. Uh, so if if Golden State wants to switch, Phoenix has has the tools to to combat that um and vice versa. So I mean, I I love that I love that dynamic. Uh, it might be. The most fun matchup in the West. If you if you if you told me Kawhi Leonard's not coming back, so what? I mean, so could you see that being a potential Western Conference Finals? Yeah, absolutely. Are you high, are you're not you're not high on the Lakers making it there, or do you still think they? Can I'm I'm the lowest possible person on the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, coming into the year, I told you not on air that forty one and forty one was my pick for them, and. I, I saw them as a play-in team uh, just because I you you cannot you cannot realistically look at that roster or that rotation and say that these pieces fit. If you do, I think you're fooling yourself. I just think no matter how much you bank on talent, the the problem is that Russell Westbrook isn't this level of talent that that public perception says he is. Right? I mean, he's still really good. Um, and, and, and capable when LeBron's not playing because he can kind of not carry your offense. It's not even to that degree anymore like it was in Oklahoma City, but he can at least make passable decisions and, and get you in pick and roll and get to the rim. He's still getting to the rim a lot. Um, but in the, in the half court, I don't see their offense or defense panning out if Russ is on the floor uh, in the long run. Even in, in a series against a good, a good shooting team, I think it would go off the cliff pretty fast. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, I, I mean, I want to play the Lakers and the Suns, like in the postseason. I don't really care what order it comes in, but I want to play both of those teams. And mm -hmm. the Phoenix Suns fans, to me, they've gotten a little out of hand in my face. You know, they're they're a little cocky, too cocky for me. So 
I would like to see Phoenix. Oh, um, you mean you don't you don't condone fighting in an arena and being rewarded for it with courtside seats? I don't even care about that. I mean, they were online telling me, oh yeah, if we play the dubs, it's gonna be a short series. Excuse you. Stephen Curry oh, has no. never played less than six games in a series. What in the actual hell that, are you talking about? That's a great that's a great fact that I don't think a lot of people would know. I have to remember that I'm in my parents' home right now, so I can't be cursing the way that I do. But <laughs> let me tell you something. I did not appreciate um, that comment. And they've just been a little wild on Twitter. They've been filling themselves yeah. a little bit too much. Look, and I also, look, I also, go ahead. I was going to say, Paul George went into uh, whatever they're calling that footprint center now. That They've named it six different names since I've been a yeah. fan of the NBA. Uh, Paul George went in there and dropped 44, 45 on really high quality shooting and and one basically won that game by himself so pretty yeah. sure that they can be beaten yeah they went to a six game series and that was with no Kawhi. so like i don't yeah. want to hear much like that they're like this they're just really high on themselves and i mean i get mm -hmm. it like i'd be high on my team too but you're not going to disrespect champions and act like y'all are just going to like roll over steph clay <laughs> and draymond like that's just asinine to me so yeah, I, I'd like to play the Suns. And I, I also don't appreciate that like Golden State schedule was harped on so much when like Phoenix equally has a pretty soft schedule to begin the season. Yeah. Um, so like everyone's focused on us, but no one's talking about them and they're 13 in a row, 14 in a row, whatever the hell it is. Like 13. they don't have a soft schedule. So I'm just like, I'm oh. over the Suns already and we're not uh, even what, anyone through the season. And I know you have, mostly been uh in defense of of the strength of schedule talk so this doesn't apply to you but like i hate any strength of schedule talk 20 games in or you know what it started 10 games in uh when people were like you know denigrating the warriors record by saying who bulls. they played we were the two teams that people did it to a lot it was the bulls it's and the warriors i didn't see it with anyone wild else. by the way like they they haven't played anyone NBA talent is NBA freaking talent. I mean, right. it's it's hard. It is hard to beat. Um, you know, you can't use Cleveland as an example because they they were really good before. Or they were pretty good before their injuries and stuff. Before but, Mobley, yeah. Um, it, it's it's hard to beat the bottom of the barrel teams. Even Toronto. Toronto's really well coached. They have gritty guards. Uh, Van Fleet's always going to give you his best. Like it's it's hard to beat these teams that aren't necessarily playoff teams. Yeah, you know, speaking of Toronto, because you just brought them up and there was a point you you, you made earlier that I wanted to touch on because um, the game on Sunday versus the Raptors, um, you were making an example of something, but like people would say that wasn't a good game by Steph, right? And yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting because, I mean, he didn't shoot well, but mm -hmm. I don't even pay attention to that. It's actually interesting because if you were watching that game, it was pretty apparent to me that Steph just decided to say, okay, my guys are playing well. I'm going to be a decoy and that's it. I mean, yeah. um, Warriors Reddit posted a bunch of clips from the game where like Steph is not even in the frame. Like he's just out by half court chilling. Fred Van, <laughs> Van Fleet is on him. And like, he's just letting the guys play four and four, you know, but there's just so much space on the court. And yeah. I, like, because I think some people get in their head like, oh, Fred Van Fleet is the answer for Steph. And if Steph really wants to like be aggressive and you know yeah. he can but there was just no need Wiggins was going off Jordan Poole was going off there really wasn't need for him to do much but play decoy on the court and that was enough to help his team yeah so 
like to me, and I think other Warriors fans recognize that we were delighted. We love seeing our guys go off. Mm -hmm. So, but it's just sometimes when people explain that about Steph, it's like, you guys understand that if he really wanted to do more, he could. Like he just said, all right, yeah, they're doing all what it would they take, need to. All it would take is him demanding the ball, calling for a screen, and getting Fred off of him, and then attacking that disoriented defense. I mean, that's all it would take. Um, but the, you know, the problem is when it, you know when an opposing coach is selling out to stop that, then you have to you have to you have to trust everyone else, and that's the difference. Like he. He will trust his teammates more so than than yeah, I'm not gonna name names, but like any other player. I mean, it just seems like like he is fine with scoring whatever he scored that game. Was it ten? I don't know what right. it was. I mean, it's he like he's fine. He's fine with that. Yeah, it, it's gonna hurt my average. Well, guess what? I'll score fifty five in a couple of weeks, and that'll boost <laughs> it back up. You know, so so I, I think that's I think that's his mentality. It, it, it it's totally fine as long as that is giving Jordan Andrew. Uh, auto reps to and to to dictate the offense and really that that's a big issue for teams and that, that I'd be scared to throw a box of one out there because you're only allowing all these other guys to create plays and get more confident with that you're much more dangerous that way than if you play the Harden Rockets way and you have Ariza Luke Babamute just just like stationed in the corner and not moving and then when the time comes that they have to make a play, they look scatterbrained. I mean right. that you're much more you're much more uh, able to win in the playoffs if your guys are comfortable making those plays and reads. Yeah, I mean we were really annoyed during that game, and you saw a lot of us being like, "Nurse, this is not the 2019 team. Like that box and one shit is not going to work with this cast of characters, you know." And it worked in 2019 for a reason. Like Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson were gone. And I'm not going to say the players that were on the court because I don't want to like just disrespect any player, <laughs> but like, come on, like that shit is not going to work, you know? And some people were like, well, what, I where, think, where is a, where's McKinney? Not even do it. Let's not even do it. Um, <laughs> you know, and some people would be like, well, you know, but he's banking on maybe next time they don't get hot from three, but they don't have to get hot from three to kill you. Like both Andrew and Poole. Yeah can attack the rim, right? Like they don't have to just beat them with three pointers. Cause if you think about that game at the, the first game of the season that we, um, we won versus the Lakers, they won in the paint. Like that's what they did. Cause the shots weren't falling. Poole didn't start making threes to the third quarter. They just kept scoring yeah. in the paint, kept scoring at the rim. So this is what I like that like a player like Andrew and both Poole are so versatile. Like they're not even relying on three pointers, you know? Um, so I, mm. I'm really pleased with the squad and the team. Um, and so, yeah, and I can't wait for, for Clay to get back. And I think Kaminga has been like a, a great surprise in terms of what he's been able to do yeah. in limited minutes and like his defensive prowess. And so I'm excited too. I, I think that um, Wiseman is going to help. And I think, I think when yeah. Clay is back I'm in. and you and you put Jordan mm. in that second unit fully and him and Wiseman are there and you give him that to run. I think, I think adding that to what we already have is going to be yeah. really good. I do. I'm interested. I'm interested to see. And I think, I think the Warriors uh, roster is all full of like, you know, stand up guys and, and guys that don't care necessarily about playing time uh, that they care, but they, they're not going to like voice it. You know, um, I'm interested to see like, how that dynamic plays out when Clay's back getting 33 minutes, you know, 
It's like, yeah, you know, like, that's a, that's that. a lot of minutes. That's two hundred. You're only allowed two hundred forty player minutes in the in a single game. Um, you know, thirty three. That's going to clay. You know, pro- I mean, I think they'll ease him into not that initially. too. Like he won't, right. he will not be. Yeah, he will not be playing that right off the bat. Maybe not even till the All Star break. You know, so. I don't think that's going to be an issue, and this is the reason why. One, like we said, it, it clay is going to be eased in. He's also going to not play back to backs, right? It's going to be mm-hmm. so you're going to have some time before his minutes ramp up, which I think is going to be more like closer to the ending of the season. Like, you know, definitely after all-star break. But the other thing is like, it's just going to put pool in like the full six man role. Right. So I think he's still going to see like a lot of minutes a night, but he just won't be with the starters. And I think there are other players who Kerr will want to take time from to preserve. Right. So I think he'll get minutes in that way. You know, like a player right now who's lost some of his minutes is um, Juan, right? Because when Iguodala is playing mm-hmm. and then, he, you know, Kaminga's in the rotation now, he isn't seeing the court. But when Iguodala is out, Juan is getting playing time. And so uh, like a player like him gets impacted. But I think for some of those vets, like, you know, he really wants to be mindful they play different positions, but I think Kerr is going to look to take minutes from older players that he doesn't want to overexert. So Andre, I mean, I could see, I could, cause I, I was going to say like Clay, Clay can guard the guys that Andre guards. So right. you don't have to play Andre X amount of minutes right. that he's playing now. I'm a little, con- right. like I was, I'm a little concerned when I see that Andre is playing these heavy, you know, not, not heavy minutes, but a lot of minutes at this age, like, you know, give him some nights off, you know? And he's had, he's had some lately. I think mm-hmm. they're saying it's for injury, but I think it's mostly to rest. And so that's what I mean. So I think you're going to see some of those minutes come from other places, at least in the regular season. So yeah. I'm not worried at least then about like Clay's minutes. Postseason is different. Everyone should expect that only certain players, like, you know, it's just going to yeah. be your top eight. No back to backs. It's yeah. spread out. Mm. So I, I'm not that concerned about the minutes, to be honest. Um so yeah, we have some games coming up. Let's get into those because I, I want to pick your brain about some of these teams. So yeah. we're going to be playing the Blazers um, on Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving. And um, the Blazers, are, I think they're, are they right at 500 now or a game below 500? Nine and eight, I believe. Nine and eight. Okay. So yeah, they, they, they started out struggling this season. Dame was yeah. not shooting well. CJ was on a roll. Is CJ still on a roll or has he like kind of CJ is, has come back down to earth, but I mean, it, he, to me, it, it hasn't been at a level that's like ghastly. Like, you know, it's like a, you know, he's just back to what you would expect. Any chance that he makes an all-star game this year? Cause I think he would have last year if he didn't get hurt. My pick on that is always going to be no because of how the guard deep the guard. Oh my god! It's someone asked me. Some, a local friend Jaws asked me. Jaws going to make day, it this year. Jaws. Yeah, make it this a, year, right. A local friend asked me. Yeah, he is. A local friend asked me the other day, like you know, would so and so make the All Star? Like Mike Conley or something? I'm like, I'm sorry. Like no, it, there's only five or six guards. I think four for sure. Then you have a wild card pick, so you could have five guards. Steph, you know, Steph, Dame, like the, those are always going to be up there as well. Jaw's been so good. I mean, you, you run into a lot of guards before you get to CJ. 
So, I mean, Mike made it last year only as an injury replacement, and he was the mm-hmm. second replacement. So Booker went in before yeah. him. You know Booker's yeah, going to get yeah. a spot this year. Of course. And, now, and CP, Paul... he's going to get a spot, although I don't know that he necessarily warrants it, but he's going to get one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Chris is more so he won't be a starter, but all of the coaches love him, so the coaches will pick him in, you know. So, so what about a player? Because I, I was kind of – castigated by Warriors fans some of them because I said I don't think Andrew Wiggins will make an all-star team now I did say that before he stepped up his game a little bit in these last Mm -hmm. five games but and I know that there are a lot of um forwards yeah yeah I know a lot of them are out right now but I don't think that there are enough out because I think a lot of those wild card spots go to guards because the guards are so deep yeah. in the in the West and there's not enough spots. So, and I I think well, Draymond is going to make the All Star game this year um, if he keeps yeah, playing Draymond's a lot. at this level. So I feel like those are the only two All Stars we're going to get, and to Andrew would be yeah. a push or even pool. I just don't see it. But it's not because I don't think that Andrew is not having mm-hmm. that kind of season. I just think that there's other players oh, who are going to make it before him. I know exactly why he's not going to make it is because there are that and I think people uh, confuse All-Star with the with All-NBA. All-NBA, right. there is a designated center spot. All-Star, it's just front court. Front court, front, front court, court, front court. Right. So, I mean, that goes to Jokic. That goes to all your centers that are dominating, to all your bigs that, that wouldn't necessarily be a three or four. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to be, he's going to be on the margins. I will say he's never, for me, Wiggins been in the running for it. It's always been, no, oh, he's on the wolves, exclude him, write him off immediately. Now he's at least made it to where, okay, he he's, he's in the consideration pool, which is, right. that's a testament to what he's doing right now. So would, would, do you think like the wolves, right? Cause right now they are in a play-in spot and they've, they mm. seem to get back on the winning track. Do you think that like an Ant Edwards or a Cat would get an All Star? Are they getting at least one All Star spot? I think Cat would because um, he's been one before. Cat's been Cat's been there before. He again, the skill set is very aesthetically pleasing. Like people love it. Uh, it you, you, I feel like people you, you won't see a bad you won't see a bad thing said about Cat. Um, it. The thing is, though, it's like, have they done enough to that point? And plus, like, it's only November, what, 22nd, 23rd. It's like, I think I think the voting for that will open mid January. So if they are in this spot, like the Wolves are like eighth or seventh, somewhere around there, then, yeah, I think Cat will be in there for sure. If they're below this. Beal got it last year and and the and the. The Wizards were really low when Beal got. I think that's because he was leading. I think he was leading the league in scoring at that point. Yeah. Do you think people take in team record for All Star? Absolutely. Uh, we there was actually uh, I believe was it Jeff Van Gundy? It was one of the Van Gundys was on Zach Will's podcast and said, "If you're under 500, you're under you're out of consideration." So and the, and those are coaches, the people that pick the the reserves. They absolutely do. Yeah. So if the Warriors are still rolling and they have like some insane record come All Star time. Yeah. And and they have the best record in the entire league, not just the West. Yeah. Do you think that would be enough to get them a third All Star spot? 
it, it would be enough to where you would say like you know we at least need to give we need we at least need to put wiggins against forward x center x to kind of compare them and see if he deserves it um and it would be Wiggins, it, it, not Poole, that you think would be the consideration. Yeah, Wiggins. Wiggins, mm-hmm. okay. Wiggins for me, yeah. It'd be, what a remarkable story if Poole was even in, you know, and in, in there in consideration. That's, no one would have expected that. Do you think um, Andrew Wiggins can be in real consideration for an all-defensive team this year, or no? Reputation says no. Uh, be because I let's take I, reputation I just, out of it, but just the way he's playing defense, oh, do you think it warrants it? Um, consideration, yeah. Uh, I really wish that I'm you know, maybe I'm the only person that ever says this, but I kind of wish there were three all defensive teams instead of two because it's really hard to fit everyone on there. It, it feels yeah, like no. you get the guy, you get the guys that are locks just because of rep. Uh, Patrick Beverly's had a couple of those where like he wasn't necessarily one of the best defending guards that year, but he got it because he's known as this feisty guy. Um, Bledsoe's had a couple. Uh, I feel like that it always goes to the guys that are kind of like, you know, known as the veteran defensive leaders. Um, But like, you know, for example, like Gary Payton, probably one of the best defensive guards in the league right now, but he's not going to get the minutes. He doesn't get the minutes. He doesn't play enough minutes. Exactly. Steph should get an all-defensive spot this year. (laughs) I don't know about that. I really, I really don't know. No, I know you want to agree, uh, but he should. If he, if if there was a career accolade, or if there was a, uh, <laughs> I guess a, a number for all defensive consideration, that should go on his resume. No, if, he should get were... it because if you think about him as a guard, and consider what he's doing right now on defense, plus the load he carries on offense, all those other guards are just like playing defense. How many people yeah. are doing it on both ends? Not a guard. There are like some, like, like, well, Jimmy, like people like that. But how many people are really doing mm-hmm. it on both ends? Giannis, Jimmy. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I think the, I think like an issue, there's not a lot doing on both ends, answer your question. But like, the issue is in a vacuum, like someone like Mike Conley's better defensively than Steph. Is he this year though? I don't think so. From this what year. I've seen, he's been really he's been really good this year. But I mean, it, it's hard to really say who's been better. Like you, you just you're it's subjective. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, agenda this year. <laughs> yeah, Steph agenda, and plus, like you know, what's going to help is that Drew Holiday's missed time. You know, right. And he'll probably miss more time. You know, it seems like Steph's only going to miss games that, he, that he's out for scheduled rest. But. Yeah, we have an agenda. But I also think that he should, at least should get consideration. I'm not saying it, like, just to be silly. Yeah. I Like, Steph's defense you know, has been, like, really great this year. You know I don't who's think not people getting, are paying attention. Yeah, he, he's been great. Uh, you know who's not getting all defensive consideration? Either of the Portland guards. Oh, yeah. Because they are Whatever. bad. They're awful. They're yeah, bad. we are supposed to be talking about them. Ugh. You know, it's it's hard because Shane, like you come on and you're like a wealth of basketball knowledge. And I want to pick your brain. No, but you are. And I want to pick your brain about so many things. So Portland's coming up. So, and I I went off on this tangent on all-star, but but when, right before this episode ends, I want to just go through who potentially could be on the all-star. Like I want to just like Mm -hmm. say some names, but we'll, we'll get there at the end of the show. Um, 
CJ and Dame, the Blazers, what, what what was the reason for their slow start? We know Dame was struggling. We already talked about maybe some yeah. of the reasons he could have been struggling. Not him specifically, but generally. But yeah. is it is it adjusting to a new system, new coach? Uh, what what was the reason for their slow start? It was a myriad of things. I think the poor shooting was out of happenstance. I don't think it was like a this is why Dame is is shooting poorly. He was missing a boat ton, like like a lot of wide open shots, um, stuff that he would generate last year and torch the league with. I mean, you know, he so why was had he one whining of his... and complaining then? Because he was one of the so his his fr- know, his free. Let's be clear, everyone. I'm the one who phrased it like that. Shane is not yeah. saying that Dame whined and complained. Complained me, Natalie. I'm the one who said that. Go ahead, Shane. His his free throw attempt rate plummeted. Uh, I think a lot of people have have made Harden the poster child for like, you know, uh, not getting the calls, but his free throw rate's almost identical to last year. Uh, Lillard, you know, per field goal attempt, it was like, you know, points, 0.363 free throws per field goal attempt, which is a moderate rate, um, not KD level, but but moderate rate. But now it's like 0.213. I mean, it, it's it's plummeted down to to a level that, you know, People have criticized Paul George for not getting to the line a lot. And, you know, Dame is not getting there as well. Um, Dame is one of those guys, too, that's it's kind of under the radar who relies on free throws pretty heavily. What you said about Harden was interesting to me, though, because you said it's about the same. But what I've noticed is that in many mm-hmm. games for Harden, he's not getting to the line that much. He's He's about... He's getting there about five or six. I'm not sure like how many points he's getting off of those. It's, but a, then it's up to has- seven now. Right. But that's because he had like these outlier games like yeah. Orlando and, and the Pelicans where he gets like 20 something freaking free throws. Right. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's what. But if you look at if you take those out, because there could be more of those games, but there's only been like two or three of them. But if you take those out, it's been in like five yeah. to six range or well, four to five. I'm not sure. Um so Dame is definitely being impacted by the free throws. Anything else? Yeah. Less by, by getting to the line less for it, whatever reason. No, yeah, Th- that was going to be my secondary point. My original point was going to be that I, I fully believe if you revamp and just like completely bring in a different coaching staff, you get the benefit of the doubt. I don't care how bad you were last year. Like I, I think that you get the benefit of the doubt to – to kind of learn the new system. Chauncey Phillips takes over for Terry Stotts, puts in a completely different defensive style. Now that's not often, that's not like, you know, contributing to, to Dame's poor offensive start or anything, but mm-hmm. but it's a lot to kind of process. I mean, it's, you know, that's a lot of stuff to learn in film, film sessions, a whole new coaching staff. It's not like they just replaced the head coach. What did he change whole, primarily? Like what's what's the difference? They are, they're, so, Chauncey being under Ty Lue and Dan Craig, who was their defensive coordinator with the Clippers, but previously with Miami, has wanted to make their defensive uh, approach more more aggressive. Like, you know, trap more pick and rolls, uh, show and recover, which is where Dame will lunge out. It's kind of what the Steph does, what Steph did against uh, the, the Cavaliers in those finals lunge out at LeBron or whoever the ball handler is, then hurry up and get back to your guy. Um, see if you can prevent switches, you know, because they don't want to get in situations where Dame is switched onto a premier forward or whatever. They want to kind of prevent those. 
Um, so they're kind of being more aggressive, trying to force more turnovers at the point of attack. And that's got them in some trouble uh, on the back end, you know, when guys aren't tied together uh, with rotations. As you know, if you blitz or if you have two or three guys outside of the perimeter uh, guarding the, the initial pick and roll ball handler, you you better have a Draymond S type player to get back right or to right. to handle the backline rotations. That that's Portland's don't. problem. They they haven't had that. Like they think Robert Covington is that. Uh, Robert Covington is only good at you know uh, being physical one on one or you know um, preventing a lot of the off ball movement. He was always someone that would be real physical with Steph. You know on those off ball cuts and stuff like that. Do you think a player um, like Ben Simmons could be in that role? Ben Simmons would be would be phenomenal as a backline helper. I think he'd be a really good help defender. Uh, I asked so that that's, question. That's obviously. I asked that question because, you know, I, it's really really about Draymond. What I'm getting at because sometimes people don't appreciate Dre's defense because they don't understand. Like, I mean, he's a great individual defender too, but he he's a quarterback of a defense. Like, he really yeah. is out there like protecting everything right and he's yeah, calling they, out wh- where people should be in their positions. yeah i actually don't view ben simmons as that kind of defender and i don't view most people in the league like that kind of defender so i was just curious like but it, ben it'd be would really still probably be better than robert covington oh of, of course the size alone he's a, he is able to be a pseudo rim protector because of the the 610 611 size ben simmons has uh, so Portland's primary the problem is that they are relying on you know use of Nurkic or, or Robert Covington to to handle the backline stuff. It's not worked out well. Uh, you know teams are also lighting them up from the perimeter. Teams are getting to the rim at will, which is of course tied to what I said. How they're, they they want their guards to be more aggressive. It's getting them in trouble. Uh, so defense still right now. Last year, a problem under Terry Stotts, why they fired him was because the defense just couldn't take another step. They, they continually were bottom three. Now, 28th and half-court defense under Chauncey Billups. But it's only been 17 games, you know. I think that that is something that I said. I wasn't going to really hammer them or evaluate them until December. It's getting close to that. You know, we're getting close. We're getting there. And you uh, haven't seen any I, improvements? I, no, I mean, they have won four of their last five. Um, you know, one against the skeleton Sixers team that, that had Seth Curry, you know, leading the show. Um, it, it, it's really hard to kind of say what kind of team they are. The big issue though, Nat is I'm, and I'm curious where you, where you stand on this or where you thought they would be the expectations for the team. I don't, for me, this, what I'm seeing right now, isn't surprising because I thought they were going to be a 500 team. I thought they were going to be 44 and 38, you know? Um, I thought they were going to be top seven offense, probably maybe get a little bit better defensively because Chauncey has good defensive principles from Ty Lue and those Clippers. That hasn't come out, that that hasn't turned out well yet. Um, So right now they're they're right where I expected them to be. So I'm curious where you thought they would land in the West. Same. I didn't think, I mean, where, where did they end up last year? Five or six? Uh, Six and played six and played the three seed nuggets. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that was, and that was because I think there was like a tie, right. Or something for that spot, like a three-way tie. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I didn't think that they were a truce. I mean, they were a six seed, but I don't, 
I th- I yeah. thought that they would probably be a play-in team. Or I thought that if like a team like Memphis made it in this year, I thought the Blazers or possibly Dallas would be Dallas is Dallas has surprised me a little bit, but I definitely thought that um the Blazers, like if a team was gonna be uh, not yeah, I never I never had Portland on the same level as Dallas. Yeah. Right. So I, I thought that um they would because I thought there was a good chance that Memphis would make it in. They made it in last year, but they made it in because the Warriors and the Warriors were going to definitely be in there this year. So I I was giving Memphis a chance to be in the eighth spot or maybe seven. I don't know. And so the team that I thought would have come out would have been the Blazers. So, yeah, I didn't have them that high. Yeah. And, and I think that the fan base itself, you know, obviously there are reasons why they didn't. Uh, there are a lot of off-court reasons why they didn't want Chauncey as the you know to take over. So that's one thing. But but also like, I I don't think that the fan base was completely on board with with changing out that what they had going on with with Stotts. I mean, they had a a really nice offensive groove with that team, and you know they could score on anybody. Um, the the issue was always like, how can we stop? How can we stop these teams? These these dynamic guards from just torching us and drop coverage. And they get, they brought Yusuf Nurkic up to the level of the screen this year, that has opened up the paint. Uh, so it's it just it, you know open the open up the floodgates. That's, if it's not one thing, it's another. Um, so I think what we're seeing now is a personnel issue. This team has probably run its course, and they are going to be back in the seventh or sixth spot this year and get blitzed by Utah, Phoenix, or Golden State. And that that's just that's just the reality of it. And you know, you kind of have to look at Dame and say, like, okay, are you are you going to ride this out? Um, I I actually believe that he wants to stay there. So that's going to be fascinating from that from that perspective to see if he stays true to his word or if this season, which is like his ninth or ten, I think it's his ninth season, um, if if this becomes too much for him. Yeah, you see, I'm like rolling my eyes for anyone who's uh, listening on audio and not watching on video. I am like so over and tired of hearing about Dame and his conundrum of staying in Phoenix or not. You know, like I'm uh, not Phoenix, Portland. Like I, I really don't give a shit, to be honest. Listen, first, there's two things. One, I think that like Dame gets like a big pass. And what I mean by that, it's like, poor Dame, you know, like... <laughs> first of all I think there's things Dame could do to improve his game and to improve his team right so I get that he's smaller yeah. right but like he's a little shorter than Steph but Steph has become a, a, a first of all Steph was always a better defender but Steph has become a better defender right part yeah. of defense is effort he's gotten stronger he's done certain things to make himself better and so I feel like on that end, he could just take on that personal responsibility because I don't even see Dame putting the effort out there a lot of times on defense. So like to me, he's just getting a pass for that because people are just so enamored with his offense, I guess. And 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 clutch, clutch Dame, you know, that's all I ever fucking hear about. And then secondly, <laughs> secondly, there's like the fact that like, cause he's always, you know, there's always a, a story out there about how they want they want Draymond Green on that team, right? And they just think like if they yeah. get Draymond. And I'm like, if you guys get Draymond, that's not gonna work like how it works in Golden State. Because 
on the defense, you'll get a much better defensive player. So your team will probably improve defensively. But unless Dame is giving up the ball to Dre, right? And then that means that Dame has to play more off ball. But he's never really Mm -hmm. looked like that's a part of his game that he's felt like changing or adjusting, right? And I think, and and it's it's kind of a, not a shame, but it's like a, it's kind of, it's kind of annoying that he hasn't kind of embraced right. this, you know, off ball type movement, which, you know, if you tell that to Portland fans, their answer would be that they don't have someone else that, you know, yeah, when CJ is off. The, yeah. Know, they they don't, don't have, they don't have someone else that can kind of dictate on the short roll. I would argue against that and say like, Yusuf Rergage has been pretty good at handling those responsibilities when he has that wide open lane. Um, it's just, I, th- I think Portland's issue is they've never had everything that you need to be successful at once. They've always had, uh, you remember those teams with uh, Alfred Aminu and uh, yeah. was it Evan Turner that, that yeah. they did pretty well in the playoffs, but they could never make an open shot. Now they have guys that can make those open corner threes, but they don't have They're the defenders. Passers. Right. So, yeah. So they've never had everything at once. Yeah, I mean, they haven't, but I still think there's been some reluctance on Dame and CJ to a lesser extent to modify aspects of their game. And so yeah. I'm I'm not saying that if they did that automatically, it would turn them into like a one seed and like the favorite, but I think that you would not have some first round outs. And I, the reason why I think that matters is because if they went a little bit further and looked like they were just a mere piece away, it might make them more attractive, right? To free agents. Because <laughs> Portland is not a free agent destination. Yeah. But if you're getting swept in the first round every year or a gentleman's sweep and you're losing in that way, I don't think at all people are going to consider you a place to go to. Plus it's Portland on top of it. So yeah. You know, it's just like, and then it's like the whole like, well, I don't want to leave. I want to be loyal crap. It's like, I say crap because like, okay, I get it. Like you want to stay with the organization that drafted you. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's probably not going to work out with the organization that drafted you. So you either stay or you leave. I don't want to hear the complaining about it every day. Like I'm probably, you know. I'm probably it's costing myself because like I don't want to hear it. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, people Pick, people have like, to make these hard so, decisions so what you're, in life <laughs> all the time. All so, the time. So what you're saying, <laughs> what you're saying is it's cool that you're deciding deciding to do this and be loyal, but you don't also get to complain about it. Exactly. Like you like you get you you have to choose a side. You can't have both. But, because what I, what I you know. think it actually is, is that he just doesn't want to look like a bad guy. I don't even know how much it's like, he's just like, I got to be in Portland. But he used to talk well, so much. Not, yeah. He used to talk so much about You know how I feel about it. He used to yap I, I do mouth. not care. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I do not care. I do not care about, about like, you know, a, a player staying where he should be his whole career. Uh, look, at, look at Harden. Like, I still... I. I, I do not hate James Harden. I like I, I like him as a player. I don't care that he's on Brooklyn. I don't care that he's been on three different teams. Kevin Durant's probably the best scorer of all time. I, no one cares that he's been on like four different teams, you know, or three. I mean, um, I think it you know, matters. I, I just I don't, don't I don't it, care about it. I think it matters. Like I do think that like Kobe being with the Lakers his whole career, likely Steph doing it. I think that's gonna mean something, but 
not everyone's going to have the ability to do that. And I think we can understand that as well. Right. And so when the circumstance dictates that it's not going to happen for you here, I think it's very reasonable to leave. Right. And that's my issue. It's like, it's reasonable. But part of the reason why it doesn't feel reasonable to Dame is because him and CJ made their living yapping about players leaving and how they would never do it. And they're so Oh my God. Thank you. Blah, 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 blah. So now when it's your time and you're going to have to do it, you have all of that out there. And so now you're like, what are people going to say about us? I don't care. I hope Paul George goes on a instagram tirade about how dame is running from the grind if he leaves or something like that because it it was it it was remarkable that they had the nerve to to say that about paul whenever they have been getting indiana uh, yeah yeah plus that as well but also how much just pg bust them every bust them every time they play i mean pg just doesn't lose to those guys that's why that whole like him scoring that last shot on Paul George annoyed me because I'm yeah. just like, you know, I have people debating with me about whether Paul George or Damon Lillard is the better player. And I'm just like, I need you people to like get glasses. Okay. Like Paul George. And and it was a realistic, it was a realistic debate a couple of years ago for sure. But to me, it's been Paul for a couple of years. That's just, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, Paul George is a wing, first of all. And, you know, I am not one of those people who, like, focus on you're a taller player, right? Because I Mm -hmm. feel like that's... We're not going to get into this today, but I feel like that's a large part of the reason why people will just always consider Kevin Durant better than Steph because he's taller. We know Mm -hmm. that there are people who think like this, right? And so I'm not a person who's just like, oh, Paul George is, is... you know, better because he's a wing and he's taller, but it's more about the fact that like people don't appreciate what Paul George did after he left Indiana. He basically accepted being the number two person on all of his teams. It's debatable that second year in OKC, he he was probably- He should, he was always number two in usage rate, never should have been the case in Oklahoma City. Right. Never should have been the case. So he left to be like the number two person on these teams, right? He went into a lesser role and then he was still criticized like he was the number one guy when anything went wrong on the teams, right? And I was just like, Paul Paul George as your number two is is incredible. He's the the best number two in the NBA. Uh, Well, no, yeah, Anthony Davis or Paul George, one of the two, you know, one of those two. But Paul George as a number one, has taken his teams further than Dame has, yeah. and he's done more with them. So I yeah. don't want to hear, and Paul George, in my opinion, is the better shooter. Like, I don't know that people are paying attention, but like, he shoots threes at a very high yeah. volume and puts them you in know, the you know the stat. high volume. <laughs> you know the stat that I love? The stat that I what? love is only Stephen Curry, who has done this eight times, this will be nine if he does it this year, uh, has made 40% or more of his threes, taking seven and a half per game. Steph has eight as of now. PG has three. Clay has three. Right. PG has done it the same amount of times as Clay Thompson. That's remarkable. And that's what I said. I mean, we know that because Clay's been out. That's how PG was kind of able to catch him. Of course. But the fact that he's even in a conversation with something Clay is doing, that's what I'm like. I'm like, 
PJ is a better shooter than Dame. You people do not know. Like you guys just hate Paul George so much that you just and, and let. <laughs> he he might be. Uh, tell me, correct me if there if there's a player that comes to mind here. Um, he might be the only player PG that is that is uh, mostly hated or mostly disliked after coming back from his legs shattering in half. Oh my god! And and having. And having a better career in the in the back half of his career than his first, statistically, um, I can't think of another player that has like come back from a traumatic injury. Think of think of like Derrick Rose. It was just an ACL injury, you know. Right. Beloved, beloved by by everybody, and he's not even in the same stratosphere as P. It, it's kind of it's kind of weird to me. It's bizarre to me, and the things that he's hated for are really stupid. It's it's his personal life. It's. Yeah. For whatever reason, like it, he, marriage. he does get it's, himself it's, into it's, trouble it's, because it's he, he talks too much. That he chose. But, right. But it's the spouse yeah. that he chose. It's some of the things he says, you know, playoff P and coming up with nicknames for himself. And yeah. That that was a bad shot. I don't care. But these these <laughs> these still seem like stupid things to me to just yeah. completely not acknowledge, you know, all the he chokes, he sucks. People just ignore the season that he had shoulder surgery. Oh, look, look how bad he was. Did you guys not? The man had shoulder surgery. Like, are we really going to pretend that his D- like double. he didn't have a real? It was injury? on both shoulders. Double it, shoulder surgery. It was. It was wild. It's bizarre to me the lengths that people will go through, and then even this year when he started off hot, it was like, oh yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. Like, we're gonna start. You know, I'm like Pete. My Paul favorite George, response. My favorite response is do it in the playoffs. Uh, you just did it. <laughs> you just did done, it in the and playoffs. And done it multiple you know? times. Of like course, Paul George yeah. is a great basketball player. Where people have him, I don't know. Like to me, he's always been a like top ten, fringe top yeah. ten guy, never lower than top fifteen in my opinion. And um, you know, he doesn't get a lot of the love I think he should. We all know that I'm a Paul George fan. You've covered you covered him when he was Indiana and the team, so you know Paul George's history and legacy. I'm glad to see him though now getting more love. I know the Clippers fans appreciate him. Um, and so I, I want to see more of that for him. I, I was happy to see him be a number one for a season. It sucks that they lost Kawhi, but I'm like, people are going to see how yeah. well Paul George is going to do carrying this team. Um, so I want to move to Clippers really quickly and talk about that. But in terms of Portland, how do you see them like matching up with this version of the Golden State Warriors right now? Like, I can't even say any more shame because every game, including yeah. the Brooklyn Nets, and I, I was like, these, these games are going to be close and it's going to be this. And we're just like blowing teams out. And so I'm starting to feel like I'm not even giving my own team enough yeah. credit. So, I mean, the Dame and Steph matchups have been sort of epic sometimes in the past. So mm. what are you expecting to see when these two teams match up? See, I think um, I'm interested to see. I, I don't think we've seen a lot of it so far. Uh, I know the Clippers switch a lot, and the Clippers have played Portland three times already, which is just hilarious. I don't know how that ended up happening, um, but I want to see the the Blazers against like you know a switch heavy Warriors defense, or you know kind of see how Steph manages those pick and rolls if they, if they're gonna just show and recover, uh, hedge with him, and and try to you know get him back onto his assignment originally. So it's going to be like a good chess match to see how they'll how they play defensively, both of those teams. But um, for me, it's like I, I'm not going to say the stars cancel each other out because they don't. Steph's obviously like a, a god compared to Dame, but it's like I want to see 
you know, the the Norm Powells and the Andrew Wiggins. I want to see the game within the game, how those guys kind of kind of come through. Because I think that more more likely than not, these type of games where you have two dynamic backcourts, well, you know, uh, if you want to count, you know, Jordan Poole and, and stuff or, you know, whatever. But, like, these dynamic backcourts are going to score their points. Like, you're not going to stop them either way. Uh, so it's going to come down to, like, okay, open shots for Norm Powell or for Andrew Wiggins or, you know, attacking the rim. I think Norm Powell... No one really talks about him. I think he is he's lights out right now. You have 45% from three on moderate volume. I think he needs to get more shots. So it's another thing that Portland has to do is like, you know, not, you know, let's get Dame off the ball more. Let's give more opportunity to, to these other guys. So, um, and obviously still, it's, anytime Draymond plays the Blazers, it's a spectacle. I feel like, Am I wrong to think that his best defensive games of his career have come against Portland? I think all, I think all of like maybe t- his top five games have been against Portland defensively. It's just it's just love, remarkable. They love owning the Blazers. Like that's what they yeah. love to do. So and Yusuf um, Nurkic is seven foot tall, and and Draymond, you know, obviously like he's gonna concede some post hooks or some you know put back dunks or put back layups or whatever the case is. But for the most part, I mean, his rotations have eaten alive that that offensive system for Dame and, and use of Nurkic on that pick and roll. I mean, Draymond himself blows that up. So I'm curious right. to see how that looks with if Iguodala plays that game, which I'm hoping he does. Uh, a little flashback to 2019. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence. Last year when Dame made that statement like, oh, Steph sees now how hard it is to to get shots or get, you know, with all his guys out, you know, cause they had won the first game and then they were having like another game. It was either back to back. And then that's when Steph came out and dropped 62. Like people don't think yeah. that Steph cares about that stuff, but he's a psycho. Okay. Like, I don't think that that was a coincidence at all. And so I don't know what it is about Portland, but they, they revel in playing that team. So I don't know you know, hopefully it's a good game. I, you know, of course I'm going to pick the Warriors to win it, but, um, it, you know, it, it, I, I'm hoping for a good game. I love domination. So I love seeing us dominate everyone, (laughs) but at the same time, you know, I would, I would like to see a a good game, you know? So that's my thoughts on that. And then we also, and, and, Oh, I was just, I was just going to say another like interesting dynamic that between, I guess it's like a parallel between Golden State and Portland right now is they have their core. Both teams have their core that they've been around, you know, Steph, uh, Dre, Iggy, as of now, you know, uh, without Clay, um, that, that's going to be on the floor, you know, Dame, CJ, Yusuf Nurkic and, and such. But there's an influx of, of young pieces that are that are expected to be contributors for both teams. I mean, yeah, obviously at Jordan Poole. Uh, it, you know, a lot of these, you know, Juan, when he plays, obviously he hasn't played that much, but um, you have a lot of, of, of people that are a lot of players that are being put in positions that have huge responsibility. Portland has a lot of them. I mean, Nasir Little is like their, like their wing stopper now. I mean, he's been, he's been against Paul George. He's been defending him quite a bit in the three matches that they've three times they've played. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. has come over, not not particularly played well for them, but has had has had a few bright spots and a few uh, highlight moments. Um, and, you know, Tony Snell, he's not young, he's 28. But it's like, you know, they have a lot of guys that 
in theory could really help their defense. It just hasn't worked out yet. So I, 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 I do yet. like the I do like the parallels how with Gold State and Portland you have the the givens that are going to give you production that you know of every night, but also the the others that are you know twenty one through twenty five twenty six that that you kind of don't know what to expect until it happens. There's a lot of comps, at least I think within the Warriors fan base, made to like. CJ McCullen kind of being like um, a comp or ceiling for Jordan Poole. What do you what do you think about that? Mm. Oh my God, that's tough. That's really tough. I haven't I haven't thought about that ever. Uh, I guess because I'm not uh, that active on Warriors Twitter. I guess, but uh, I, I would time. say I'll give you time to think about it. I don't want to force you into it on the spot. Jordan wondered. Jordan Jordan would be a better shooter. He'll be a better shooter. I mean, he's only what twenty. <laughs> 21 yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean we're not even seeing the dude's dropping 30 on like you know 14 shots right now on some right. games i mean cj wasn't 62 like percent from two or something yeah He's six yeah four. So... that's insane is cj also six four let's see what cj is uh cj is six three i mean it it it's definitely a comp that i could see uh so Jordan probably could get to the rim. He could probably stand to get to the rim more, even though he's shooting sixty percent on twos. I feel like he could even get to the rim a little bit more, and yeah, that would separate him from Andre CJ. Iguodala interview where Andre kind of basically said he needs to do that and get more fouls. Yeah. So he's been trying mm -hmm. to do that more. I like um, that. I like. I, I do like that. Whoever thought of that, it's a pretty good one. <laughs> I have to. Well, let me see. I think the first person I heard and. I, I could be lying because I feel like I've seen a few people say it, but I think it's the infamous Urkel. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Urkel. Urkel's a really smart basketball mind. He drives some people crazy because he can be, you know, sort of extreme, but he actually really knows mm -hmm. his stuff. So, um, okay. And so we also play the Clippers. This is going to be our second matchup with the Clippers. And the first game was close. The first game was close. Um, I think I, I don't want to be misremembering, but was it, did we have a lead and then the Clippers came back in the game? Is that what happened? Yeah. Was it close? Yeah, okay. uh, Golden, Golden State was up. I want to say 18, 19 points. Clippers came yeah. back, took the lead, took the lead by one or two. That's when Steph went absolutely nuclear and Marcus Morris decided to just not guard the guy from, you know, 30 feet, because why would you guard anyone from 30 feet? And yet he splashed at home. So yeah, Golden State, took command in the last two minutes. Right. And so, I mean, but the Clippers are playing better now. Reggie is back to, I mean, I think he still had a game here and there, but he's back to at least, you know, shooting the ball better. Um, so what do you think? Cause I, I feel like this is going to be another good close game. Probably. Um, I don't know if it'll follow yeah. the same format in terms of us having a big lead and then, them, but I think it's going to be a competitive game. And so um, Ty it'll Lue be always, a competitive game. Tyloo always seems to know how to coach his team versus the Warriors, no matter which mm -hmm. team it is. And so I, I sometimes give him the coaching edge versus versus Kerr. I do. So what, what do you, what do you expect to see the second time around? I was gonna say it could be a competitive competitive game unless the the Clippers decide they don't like these afternoon games. They hate playing in the mid afternoon. They hate it. Really. So, Okay. It's actually early. It's a, yeah, it's like a it's like a twelve thirty tip off that day, I believe, on Sunday. Um, is that so, in LA you know, or is that in Golden State? Yeah, yeah, LA. It's in LA. Okay. I, I'm going to I'm going to cover that game. Going to cover that game as well. It's a, it's a back to back for the Clippers. Uh, I'll be there for okay. Sunday against Golden State and Monday against New Orleans, the the horrible Pelicans. Um, but you know, for this matchup, 
what's kind of a bummer is that Nick Batum is going to miss the first two games against Golden State. He missed the opener. Uh, with, oh, COVID. Uh, yeah, he missed the opener for personal reasons. Right. He just got put into health and safety protocol, yeah. which, as we're talking, as we're as we've been on the podcast, Clippers canceled their shoot around today, as uh, I guess a precautionary, precautionary. for you know for COVID concerns. So, uh, hopefully, there's even games being played uh, oh, by the time that, no. that, that, that yeah. It could it could be it could be uh, bad, but hopefully not. Let's stay optimistic. Players need to go get the booster, man. Oh my goodness! It's it's okay. it's wild, and it's and you know, uh, Clippers were one hundred percent vaccinated, so you know, all this is kind of just you know, uh, randomness. But uh, no, it's I know, luckily but only Batum. Depending on when yeah. you got vaccinated, that six month period could be up. I mean, the Warriors were too, but it's about time they should probably go get the booster as well. So, of course. I mean, I'm just saying yeah. you're, you're seeing the cases pop up all around the league. That's why I'm saying that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I forgot, uh, I forgot the, about Batum. Yeah, he's the only one, or he's not the only one out, I should say. Uh, but he's the most important because I don't believe believe he may he would make i actually know he would not make the same mistakes defensively marcus morris would now right. speaking of morris he's coming back tonight so okay. he'll be back on the floor he's missed the last i want to say 11 or 12 games maybe yeah 10 11 12 games with a right knee condition or i think left knee conditioning so he's had some knee concerns to start both this season and last season and different knees it's become a concern uh, within mm-hmm. the Clippers because the guy's on the on the other side of thirty, and he has two more guaranteed years of his contract left. How much can you really rely on him if he's going to be missing time? Now, he played really well in the playoffs uh, to close that out, but he did. That's where he tweaked his knee or he hurt his knee then. So that was in July, June, July. He's still trying to get that left knee back. So. I mean, hopefully that he can come back and be uh, the same kind of defender he was. And yeah, we're never concerned, I guess, about the the shooting uh, of like Clay. Like when you have a, a lower lower leg injury, lower body injury, you're not concerned about the shooting coming back at all. But it's the defensive mobility. And Marcus was already getting getting up up there in age and getting already like he had so many miles on him that he could not stick with these faster guards. Right? Right. He get blown by. We even saw a uh, a clip from a practice before the season started. Serge Ibaka blew by him off the dribble. What's and going it's like, on with Serge? Serge is back as well. I mean, it, it's Serge is, is returning with Marcus. He's already played one game uh, with back surgery that he had in June. He went like, down during, to the G League to get in reps, right? And to get yeah, okay. he had, yeah. After his back surgery in June, was ruled out. Came back uh, for a couple games this this year. Played 14 total minutes. Decided that his conditioning level was not to where it needed to be. Uh, went down to the G League. Dominated for a few games, you know, because they're all kids down there. Uh, and and he comes back and he looked like he was moving well the other night. Um, you know, so I mean, hopefully for him, it, I don't think it was an injury concern when he came back from the back injury. It's more so like everything's so fast. Yeah. Everything's so fast in the NBA, and you—if you're not on your P's and Q's, you're gonna get uh, blitz off the floor. So, uh, luckily, I think you know getting his timing and conditioning back, it'll, it'll be good. But yeah, they have been—the Clippers have been riddled with injuries, just random, you know, misses here and there. Not not anything major like a like Kawhi being out, but 
yeah. So it, it, mainly for them, it's it's availability. Paul's been PG has been holding down the fort until everyone gets back. What seed would the Clippers have to be for Paul George to get real consideration for MVP? Mm, I think I think three, three. Okay. People would say people would say four or five, but no, I, I I just don't believe that because if you're four or five. Steph is already going to have the the number one or number two, whatever it is, and the numbers. Um, you know, KD is going to have the numbers and the number one or two in Brooklyn. Um, you're you're going to have a candidate lot... with James Harden on his team. Uh, yeah, he should, especially if if everyone's going to denigrate James and say that he hasn't been as good. Then you have to kind of in I the mean, same they breath say KD. Steph when Hart, when when KD was on the team, and so, they did. Oh, you know? That's a different. That's a different and, question. And I, guess, I don't. But... I, but I'm just saying, I feel like it's not even a consideration. I don't hear it being discussed like they can't be, you know, MVP because they I play know. together the way that I heard wild. it with the Warriors. Yeah. Um, but for PG, he had, and, and I don't even think the seeding is is the number one thing for him, to be honest. Some people would think I'm crazy for that. I think more so it's his games played. He, It's been a long time since he's played, not a long time, it's been a few years since he's played you know, 75 games. But they're um, not going to be able to rest him a lot. So they don't have that luxury. So they can't, but it's more so the injury. Last year, he had a toe injury that he said the trainers told him would not get better unless he rested a long period of time. You don't have that in the NBA. So if you, if something like that happens again, you know, supposedly it's fully healed after the offseason, but if something like that happens, like they, they're kind of screwed. They're kind of in bad luck. I mean, you don't have, yeah. and if, if PG's setting, good luck. I mean, it's Reggie and Terrence Mann holding right. down. Luckily, PG Is hasn't missed a game back? yet, though. I would put money on no. Um, okay. That would be me. From what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing around the team, uh, it seems like, the team doesn't want him to return. They want him to be 100%, 110% before he's come back. It seems like he is progressing and, and already doing a lot of stuff that, that we haven't even heard about, like behind the scenes, like, you know, trying to, you know, get ramped up, uh, even get get moving and get running and, and stuff like that. Or box, they're, they're calling it explosive box jumps is what they're calling it that he's doing okay. to try to get his strength back. So he's, he's wanting to come back and try to play, but it seems like the team is – is going to be on the very cautious side of that. So okay. I, I would say no. Uh, but again, it's November 22nd. We could get to April 15th or no, I, that, that'd be playoff time. We could get to like March 15th and, and things could drastically change if the Clippers are third in the West and have a chance to really make a run. Okay. So with this current roster, assuming everyone's there minus Batum, what should the Warriors be expecting? What should you? What would do you expect to see? Mm, I think I expect to see. Uh, you know, P Warriors fans won't like it because of what they just saw. Uh, <laughs> I do expect to see a lot of aggressive defense on stuff. Um, I think we'd expect that too from Tyloo. It's just what he does. Two coaches yeah. I hate on the opposing side when we play him <laughs> you know, and Nurse. And Ty, Ty hasn't really thrown out the box and one or triangle and two, like the, the junk defenses that the Draymond likes to call them. Um, hasn't really hasn't really thrown that stuff out. It's been more so like, you know, I guess just encouraging better one-on-one -on -one coverage to where you're not, uh, 
where you're not letting them through the cracks. You know, I think Terrence Mann did a really phenomenal job in the second half on Steph in that October 21st game. Um, Steph still came through in the end because, you know, you're, you're only going to prevent a guy from getting free for so long. Steph has so much energy that even a freak athlete like Terrence Mann or name Eric Bledsoe is a really like good athlete. Even those guys can't really stay with them the entire time, the time, the entire duration of a shot clock, every possession. So I think in the beginning, I, I just just my take. I don't think we'll see Golden State like rattle off this huge run that, that they did in the beginning of that game. Uh, being at home helped that uh, in the first game, I would say. Um, I think we'll see a more evenly played game this time around. Uh, it, it just comes down to. We have no idea what to expect from Serge Ibaka. Like, Serge hasn't made his imprint on a game since April, or no, since since May, you know? So he's probably going to this game to do so, right? It's yeah, a national like, TV game? It is, and it's like he didn't, he didn't play in that opener against Golden State. He was still recovering. So I, I, I do think he's someone that can kind of, like, hurt, not hurt the Warriors' defense, but but kind of like puncture the the soft spots. Like he could knock down some open mid-range jumpers, which I think the, the Warriors are more than happy to concede. Uh, they just don't want to give up threes and, and layups, obviously. Um, he's a really good rebounder. I think someone that could kind of hurt Draymond there, someone that can kind of cause some issues that they didn't have in the first game. Um, right. Avita Zubats kind of... Avita Zubats is great. I, I love him as a center, but... It's more so like, you know, his rebounding is kind of, it comes and goes. Like, he'll forget to box out here, box out there. That's where Draymond really takes advantage of those guys. Uh, with Serge, he's been around so long, man. It, it, it He knows where to be. He's played against this Warriors team as well for, for many, many years, too. So, I think he could be the big X factor in the game. Okay. Um, what was I going to ask you? Um, Bledsoe, he's been better. <laughs> I mean, is he up and down still? I know, like, up and down, yeah. He's not playing well. Then he had some games where he's playing well. Is it just like an inconsistent thing so far? I think I saw you tweet one day, like, believing in a team with Eric Bledsoe <laughs> is, not, is not, yeah, I, believe, no, I think I, I saw you tweet that. To me. I don't think that's not ringing a bell, but okay, I will, I will try to freezing cold takes you and, and find it. Um, I'm not I'll, saying I'll that I've never it. said anything about Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> I just, I'm not saying that I. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna swear by it. But it started off really rough with Eric. Uh, more so because he, I, I think. He, well, I know he thinks he's a better shooter than what he is. So when the ball swings to him, you can kind of get in that zone of I'll take the open shot, which you should take the open shot more more often than not. But if you have the opportunity to drive, if defenses are kind of sagging back, and you know that you can beat player X off the dribble. He's always best when he when his head's down. He's going to the rim, drawing two defenders. It's all about drawing two defenders and then drive, kick, swing to your open shooters. Right. Um, which he plays a lot. You know, he he's gotten to where Ty Lue will stagger him and Reggie to mm -hmm. where one of those guys will be in with the bench unit uh, at all times. And and to be honest, the Clippers look pretty good if if Bledsoe's out there with shooters like Luke Kennard, right. who's absolutely i'm sure we would have got to him but absolutely the biggest like bright spot outside of pg's dominance is luke Kennard 
proving that he's he's worth that contract that he got. Uh, kind of right. like shoving that in everyone's face when they, when they they laughed at the Clippers for it. Um, so, but Bledsoe's good when he's doing all that. When he when he's just asked to shoot or you know I, I guess just be there spacing, it, it looks crappy because it is. I feel like the Warriors will treat him like they do Russ and let him shoot, and they're just they probably going to sag off him. Yeah, I, I do think they'll do that. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm looking for a, a, another good game. I, you know, I've always said, like, with the Clippers, I feel like they're a little bit interesting because they can go small. And If they um, have their guys. If they have Marcus Morris, which they will, like, it, Batum would be even more helpful. Like, those guys can play center. Right. And they, they're they a pretty good shooting team, right? And mm-hmm. so Warriors usually use their counter of going small against teams to counter, you know, if teams are big or just to counter them. Yeah. It's, not, it's not necessarily a perfect counter for the Clippers. And that's why I find it to be an interesting yeah. matchup. If you want like a, not like a hot take, I guess, but a take I have is that I believe in in the playoffs, if you told me Kawhi was coming back, I think Warriors small ball, whether, what's that, Steph, Clay, Wiggins, uh, Draymond, right. and Iggy, is that what that would be? I'm not sure. Probably Andre, close but I, I, I think depending on the matchup or who, I could see times where you have Otto in there instead of okay. um, Andre. Mm. I think it could vary, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Draymond at center lineups. If you if you told me that that was going against uh, Kawhi, Reggie, PG, Marcus, and uh, and Nick Batum, or who, whatever configuration you want, whether it's uh, Luke Kennard in there, but anyway, Marcus Morris, Nick Batum at center. I think that matchup would be the best possible basketball matchup. Because it would just have the perfect collection of, of offensive and defensive like uh, euphoria. It'd, it'd be it'd be awesome to see, you know, a Kawhi PG level. Absolutely. I mean, Nick Batum versus Draymond to see who could kind of outclass each other. Uh, Kawhi and PG switching off on Steph if necessary, which would be necessary. Uh, Reggie would be the only weak link of that of that defensive lineup. That would be the best matchup to have. It's just. We you can't really expect Kawhi to come back in, in March, April and already be right. there at that level. So it, it's really hard to kind of project, but but that's my favorite hypothetical. I did tweet not so long ago that like Nick Batoon is like the Warriors Andre Iguodala in terms of his role and importance to the team. Um and some 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 person got really mad at me and thought I was like disrespecting Andre. I don't know why, but I think I think Batoon is like a really high IQ guy, mm-hmm. reliable, steady on defense. Like you can just count on him out there. And older vet. I I look at him like what he does for the Clippers. They're different, but in terms of what his role is to the Clippers, I look at him as like their Andre Iguodala. I, like I love yeah. Batoon. I we we tried to pick him up, so he was one of our free agent yeah. targets. It doesn't surprise me that he stayed with the Clippers, but I think he's such an asset for them to have. So, um, yeah, I like that Clippers team. You know, I'm not actually from the Bay Area, so I don't have the disdain for LA teams that or that that NorCal. 
SoCal thing like rivalry. So obviously I want my team to win and I don't want the Clippers beating us, but when they're not playing the Warriors, I really do like that Clippers team. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying them so far this season. So I'm sure it's fun for you to. Yeah, it it, it definitely is. And it's great when you, it's great when you see that you peel back the layers and see the the type of coach Ty Lue is Uh, not one player I've ever seen. I, I guess Kyrie maybe didn't really vibe with him, but Every player loves the guy. I mean, it's to where I'm not sure I've seen this before, but like Marcus Morris is like best, like really good friends, like best friends with Ty Lue. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know how that turned out to be, but it's like, it's not even a coach player relationship. It's like, they're all his buds. And that's not something you see. I mean, I know you don't see that with Steve Kerr and the Warriors. I know you don't see that with Frank Vogel and the Lakers. Like, it's just, it, it seems like a good cord where they all trust each other. And that's, that's really the reason they they came back from multiple O2 deficits. It should have been right. three straight O2 deficits they came back from. Right. And and really like they, they shouldn't have lost to Phoenix in the first place. They just made a few bad errors in game 2, right. but Right. You know. Right. Right. No, yeah. Listen, Shane, this has been wonderful. I've kept you for a really long time, longer than I said it would be, <laughs> but you know, I I love talking basketball with you as you know. So we are going to do, I don't know. I definitely need to have you back on. We've talked about this. I don't know if it's going to be before all-star break, but offline, I'm going to pick your head some more about those all-star um, picks, but we won't. We won't it's we always won't do, fun. We won't do the prediction right now because we, we've been going for a long time, but I just want to thank you again for being on today. What is the latest that you're working on or that you've put out or yeah. that people should look out for? Um, Cause Shane's writing is good. He does some really great work guys. So you should check him out. What should they be looking out for? Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Nat. I've, um, you know, I've used the first few weeks of the season to kind of just watch everything to kind of get digested. I feel like there was a lot of player movement that it's hard to really start writing about, you know, small sample sizes stuff right now. Um, unless you're just doing game stories, but currently, I'm kind of just diving into Phoenix. I uh, might write something about them for tomorrow. Well, I can't say even say tomorrow because who knows when people are listening to this, but it might be out before Thanksgiving. Um, and then also probably going to write about Steph soon, write about Steph and the, uh, his off ball magic that he, that he, that he does. So uh, yes. I'll, I'll have some stuff. I'll have some <laughs> stuff at Ford sports. That's where I write. Um, you can follow me at young NBA on Twitter uh, just simple people say I'm young NBA young boy, which is some rapper that that I've never heard of. But I, I don't know. I, that's what people confuse me with, which well, is funny. easy to know that it's not Shane because Shane's white. OK, guys. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one one click before and they tag me in it. It's like one click. They can see that I'm not remotely the same. Um, but. but if you uh you know if you find yourself in the bay the same time i'm there which i don't know when i'll be there might be january you know i know you're going to that jazz game uh in mid-january or early january as well so i I might be up there but yeah for me just gonna be in in la this coming weekend i'm gonna get to la on saturday for a back-to-back on sunday monday and then probably come back Nice. Well, we'll be looking forward to your coverage, to your Forbes pieces. Shane, thank you so much for coming on the show and and giving us so much to think about your basketball knowledge. It's great. I love it. I love I love always speaking to you about this game that we both love to follow and and discuss. Um, So you guys, please follow Shane if you're not already. Um, Really, really great 
um, writer and content creator. You won't, you won't regret it. Also, if you are listening in and you're not already, please follow the On That Pod. It's available on most streaming platforms. Follow it. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to it. Rate me, review me with five stars only. That's the only thing I'll accept. <laughs> Leave me some comments. Give me some feedback, whether it's on YouTube or wherever you know platform you're listening on. Um, please do. I love to hear from you. I like to get better. And I really appreciate your support of the show. Also, Shane appreciates that support when you follow him as well and check out his <laughs> writing. So please do that as well and enjoy your um, holiday that's coming up, whichever you, if you celebrate it or not, just enjoy time with your family and whatever you do. Until next time, guys, take care.